Welcome to Channel Waves, the podcast where channel leaders share success strategies, best practices, and emerging trends. Brought to you by Structured Web. Here's your host, Stephen Kellum. Welcome to Channel Waves Podcast, Structured Web, New and Everything Channel. I'm your host, Stephen Kellum. And joining us today to talk all things video is Robert Cassard, founder and CEO of Voodoo Video Marketing and author of Video Growth Hacking, a guide on how everyone, and he means everyone, can leverage video in their marketing efforts. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Stephen. Always nice to be here. Hey, thanks for coming back again. This is our second part. And the first part, a couple of days ago, we sat down and we talked about what works in video today, why it's so important, some of the challenges around uh, getting partners engaged, and we talked a little bit about the future. One thing we talked about briefly was the distribution of marketing and where it's being used. And I know you have a list of 10 items. Listeners and people really like lists, and so it's a really good list. And I think we're gonna we're gonna start with Pinterest at number ten, and I think we're gonna end up at website at number one. Correct? <laughs> I I didn't think you were gonna give it away like that. So yeah, basically what we're talking about today are you know what are the video distribution platforms for business? What's working? What doesn't? And I thought I might pepper you with a little bit of information about the monthly active users on each platform. I think it's kind of interesting to know what's okay. happening in that way, what the trends are. Okay. So coming in at number 10 is Pinterest. Okay. A lot of people don't even know what Pinterest is, but it does have 85 million users in the U.S. It's got uh, almost half a billion users globally, but it's one of the few platforms that actually is dropping in usership, I guess we could call it. But I, I want to mention Pinterest because it's sort of an unsung hero of certain businesses. Now, particularly in consumer products, I was anything say, that has to do. Yeah, for, for, for me, I was going to say for me, it's a consumer piece. I do. When you say Pinterest, I think recipes and how to like uh, how to sew something. It is more than that. And what what I've seen, I, I know a number of marketers who, if they're wooing a small business audience, particularly if if it's okay to have it skew female and Gen Z, which frankly, a lot of buyers in technology right. are Gen Z, right? They're, they're getting younger and younger. It can actually be an amazing place to be because one of the things that's great about Pinterest is it's less crowded, therefore it's cheaper. It's easier to dominate a category. So, you know, I mention it not because I think it's going to be the best choice for most of our B2B users, but it's an interesting one. There are opportunities there, and I've seen companies use it really effectively, even in B two B applications. So, uh, so Pinterest. Uh, that's interesting for me to see that it could be used in a business perspective. But, but I, I, yeah, the point's very valid, right? I think less crowded. Maybe there's an opportunity for something depending on the depending on the product, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay. All right. Coming in at number nine, you have uh, Instagram, which makes a lot more sense to me in the technology space, but you tell me. So 127 million users in the U.S., about a billion globally. So it's, it's a big market. Uh, the, the challenge with Instagram, from my perspective, is that it's such a visual application. If you're going to do anything on it, your video has to look great, right? Particularly as a company, if you're doing a company video. And it's really designed for short attention spans, right? It's like a minute or less is pretty much the sweet spot for video on Instagram. So, you know, 
you've also got another challenge, which you got on Instagram, you have to decide whether you're going to do your video landscape, you know, meaning wide, or if you're going to do it vertical. A, the, a lot of the audience is looking at vertical. They're looking at their phones. Um, that's interesting. It's a mobile dominant platform. Uh, it, but one thing I've seen companies do well is to do teaser videos that will then pull a viewer over to a website to watch the rest of the video. You know, but I got to say, that's a pretty sophisticated maneuver to try to drag somebody with you from one place to another. And, you know, not for the faint of heart. Uh, you know, I think in general, the average, you know, the vendors can use it effectively. I think partners, not so much. It's going to be a challenge for them. Okay. All right. How about the next one? Yeah. And I find this fascinating. The next one you had was TikTok and you had that at number seven. And it's it's blowing up in conversation, but yeah. you have it ranked as number seven. I mean, if I can, I'd like to lump number seven and eight as Twitter and TikTok. Yeah. Because to me, those two had, there's a lot of frenzy about both of those platforms yeah. right now. Yeah. But honestly, neither one has proven to be particularly effective for B2B. Um, in my opinion, one of the problems with both Twitter and TikTok is that it's a, either of those platforms there's such a volume of content on them. It's kind of like throwing your video into a massive river and the river is moving really fast, right? So the vast majority of videos that get put up there without any payment, right? You know, they get a handful of views and then it's over, right? And if you pay, it can be a different story. So, you know, just kind of to set that up. Um, you know, in terms of other things, Twitter seems to thrive on controversy. There's a ton of snarkiness there. TikTok is thriving on cleverness and distraction. So the videos that tend to thrive there are and, and get a lot of free views, they are generally educational, right? And most B2B content is educational just by nature. You're trying to educate potential buyers and do it in this very, you know, sort of a calm, trustworthy way. Hard to build trust on TikTok because it's such a frenzied, you know, I'm, I'm flicking all the time to see what's next. Um, so, you know, I hear all this talk, hey, there are older viewers on TikTok, right? It, you know, that should work. Are they in a buying mindset? Are they in a, I want to educate myself mindset when they're there? That That's my question. And then the last thing that I kind of, I'm going to be honest, I despise about both Twitter and TikTok is if you don't grab a viewer in the first two seconds, they're out of there. So that's a very high bar for the average business communicator to say, I'm going to hook someone literally in two seconds and I'm going to keep them with me when there's that temptation to go to the next video that's going to be clever, fun, whatever. So they're tough. Uh, I will say this. I have seen more, I'm going to say personalities in the channel putting out TikTok and uh, from maybe from an awareness perspective, from maybe an individual branding, and that individual branding carries over into the uh, corporate branding, perhaps that's where it's heading. But it's been interesting for me to see people in the channel asking, you know, do you have a TikTok strategy? It's always worth asking. I guess the question is, are, are you seeing the statistics from those folks? Like what, what, kind, of, what kind of viewership are they getting? Yeah. Yeah. And so I've talked to a couple of people about that and it depends on your perspective, right? If you can build your brand and be ahead of the curve, if you're in the next place, if you're, if you're willing to invest in that, 
And I think for individuals that are remarkably comfortable with video, okay, I yes. got, I'm a digital adopter. I am not a digital native. And I've learned to work with, with video, right? But for those who it is just second nature, and it's just so easy for them to sit down and they're at an event and somewhere, and it just becomes somewhere else that they're going to build awareness and create a, a nice TikTok video. And I got to say this very frankly, some people are more clever on video than art. So I guess my recommendation is if you can play the game and you can do it, yes, do it. If, if you can't, agreed. maybe don't. And and the other side of that is anything that you develop for TikTok could potentially be used, for example, on YouTube as a short. You know, it has to be a minute or less. But right. you know, there something that I didn't really think a lot about when we were compiling this top ten was that side of it. Where what about if you're just going to post things on multiple platforms? You right. know, and, and so TikTok and YouTube Shorts are sort of go hand in hand. And so if you leverage it in both places, I can see that because then you have this long-term shelf life in YouTube and searchability in YouTube, which you theoretically have in TikTok, but nobody is searching when they're on TikTok. They're just not. They're they're doing other stuff. I, I completely agree. If you are a person who's really comfortable on camera and inherently kind of funny right. or interesting, or you have a different way of looking at things, or you're iconoclastic or something like that, then maybe you got a shot on TikTok. But I think for the average business-to-business -business person who hasn't spent a lot of time on a video cam, it's a tough one. A tough one to stand out and have it really be worth the time. You know, all of this is about what, where are you going to get the best ROI from your time? That's why I have TikTok way down there. Okay, the next one is Facebook. Personally, I might have put TikTok ahead of Facebook because Facebook to me... Is it fading? It, to me, it just seems to be fading. And, and maybe it's my personal exposure. And maybe it's because as a digital adopter, I grew up as Facebook. is actually being something private. And for me, Facebook was always an intimate group of friends that I would share with. I mean, how long has Facebook been around? I have 130 Facebook friends. I don't think I need any more Facebook friends. <laughs> Interesting. So TikTok has 180 million users in the U.S. and Facebook has 242 million. All right. So, you know, it's it basically a two, like TikTok has two thirds the viewership. They're growing faster. Facebook has plateaued quite a bit in the U.S. Um, but it's interesting because what Facebook has that none of these other platforms have is years of behavioral and user data, right? So I don't really advocate Facebook as an unpaid platform. I think you can put a lot of energy into putting a video onto Facebook and kind of get nothing or very little from it if you if you aren't willing to pay to promote it. But so let, let me add a couple things. The number one rule on Facebook is if you're going to put anything there, it better be a native video. You need to actually upload the video to the Facebook video platform, right? It needs to rest on Facebook servers. Yes. There's a logical reason for that, right? Which is, if I put an external video link, let's say I have a YouTube video and I put a link into Facebook to promote that video, well, Facebook has no incentive to promote that video because it's going to take somebody off their platform, right? So the bottom line is if you upload to Facebook directly, it will massively outperform an external video link. So that's just something to know. Don't waste your time on external video links there. Um, it's typically like 10 times greater for native, uh, greater click through for native videos. Um, 
But here's the thing about Facebook. If you're willing to pay for exposure, you can buy really targeted exposure and it's pretty darn cheap, right? Mm-hmm. Part of what's so magic about it is when you go back into the Facebook advertising platform, what you see is that you can target people based on their interests, very specific technology interests, for example, or people they follow. Hey, you know, this person follows Dave Michaels. Oh, guess what? I can target that person. It's pretty interesting when you start to think about that that there are people that you can use as your advertising drivers and your targeters, right? Now, another thing I've seen companies do really effectively is just to have an ongoing follower building campaign on Facebook targeted like crazy, right? And it may grow very slowly. It might be I'm getting five extra uh, followers a week or 10 followers a week or something. But imagine after you do that for a few years, suddenly you've got a few thousand followers, all of whom are interested in technology topics like the one that you're promoting. And it's incredibly inexpensive to remarket to those people. So you can create video content and for pennies on the dollar, buy direct exposure where your videos are going to show up in their feed. Now, you know, are people in a buying mood in Facebook? Surprisingly, yes. They may not be buying large ticket technology while they're there, but they they now have more often associated being on Facebook or feed, you know, looking at their feed and seeing some things that they're really interested in. A ton of Facebook users have bought something when they're surfing on Facebook. Well, when so when you just said, well, you just said surfing. Sorry to interrupt. You said yeah. surf. So I bought a surfboard. I bought a <laughs> a, pa- a stand up paddle board, and oh. I bought a grill on Facebook. That's the um, the marketplace. So that's there you go. So I did buy something, but you did. I'm not going to buy, you know, networking equipment uh, or um, or servers. Right. But if you if that showed up in your feed and it were positioned the right way, it's something you you might take a look at. In fact, you might just be surprised like, wow, I never thought I'd see networking equipment on Facebook. What is that? You know, it's it's surprising. Okay, that's interesting. I would have thought that there's a pretty big gap between five and six. We're going to jump into five right now. I look at six to ten. Maybe you could pull them together. I think when you get to number five, which is LinkedIn, you're taking a a pretty big jump. I think that's safe to say. And again, Facebook probably worthless if you're not paying for specific targeted marketing, right? But worth quite a bit potentially when you are. LinkedIn. Okay, so we got 170 million users in the US, about 700 million globally. They are pushing video actively right now. So it's, it's becoming a hotter and hotter place for business videos. Just like Facebook, they want you to upload directly to their platform. Again, they don't want to lose people if they can avoid it. But if you do have external links on LinkedIn, you know, you'll see like maybe a two or three times multiplier if you uploaded it natively in terms of the number of views. Whereas on Facebook, it's about a 10 times multiplier. So, you know, LinkedIn is less, they're less, uh, they're, they're, they're not hoarders. Put it that way. They're willing to let people leave their platform. I think partly because they know they're going to come back. Right. You know, it is the business platform, right? Yes, right. Um, so, you know, in terms of LinkedIn and and LinkedIn video, they got there are a couple of sweet spots. One of them is a short brand awareness video, you know, 30 seconds ish for for your company. Should probably just have it. It's a good idea. Um, in general, the format that seems to do really well as far as talking about specific products is sort of a high level explainer. Uh, sort of up to two minutes, uh, 
relatively casual and real needs to be authentic. Uh, I think a lot of the videos that are doing really well on LinkedIn aren't necessarily the professionally produced high end commercial style. You know, people just people don't want commercials. But to have a real person from the company talking about a product that's being launched or something like that, that could be pretty powerful. And then the last thing that also tends to work well on LinkedIn are really long form, like webinar stuff. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I've done yeah. several and you, you can get thousands of people and it's actually very interactive on a webinar. Yes. The, the other thing, yeah. So they've added live streaming. I mean, it's a relatively you know recent thing. Uh, but so, you know, companies that are using that creatively are doing things like, hey, we're we're broadcasting a company event and we're going to do it live on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn loves them for it, right? It's like suddenly LinkedIn goes, you're using our platform. We're going to reward you for that. Um, road shows, you know, that kind of stuff. So it it's, it's good and getting better is what I would say about LinkedIn at number five. And before we get to number four, maybe we can back it up and talk a little bit demographics. So when you go to Facebook, it, it's not, I don't think it's just business oriented. If you look at the average age that uh, the user of Facebook, let's just say it's skewing north of 40s, right? Um, and then you move into, uh, you know, the, that young group, like my kids who are in their 20s, I mean, they don't, they don't even know what Facebook actually is, right? Right. When you move to LinkedIn and it gets a little bit better because they've understood if they graduated from college, Yes, that generation that it, it is the business platform. So, Amen. so I think you're getting better demographics there, yep. having a broader spectrum. It's no one is going to come away from this podcast thinking I got to just be in this one place and I'm done. You know what? The, what we're really talking about here is giving you some parameters so that you can come out and say, I think I ought to be in these three places. They're likely to be the three most helpful for me, or something like that. That's what we're hoping for. So number four, you had as YouTube alternatives, and then we're going to get to number three would actually be YouTube. So YouTube alternatives, what we're talking about, the primary YouTube alternative in terms of a public platform for video is Vimeo. Right. They've got about a little north of 40 million users in the US. So they're about one fifth the size of YouTube, which has about 260 million in the US. Um, so the the thing that about Vimeo is that its main differentiator from YouTube is visual quality. So if that's really important to you, if, if having super high-end visuals, you know, 4K plus kind of video, if that's important, then Vimeo becomes a really good choice. From my perspective, I look at Vimeo and say, why would I want to be there instead of YouTube? I, I wouldn't from my perspective because the, the YouTube is so much more searchable. It's integrated with Google. It's got all these benefits. But what Vimeo is, is a great place to also put your stuff. Why not post in both places? Because now you make your content searchable to a larger total universe. By the way, Vimeo and YouTube have a lot of overlap in terms of who watches them anyway. So you don't get a ton more exposure. But the great thing, the one good thing about Vimeo is there's less competition there. So, you know, that that can be a benefit. The other thing, when I say YouTube alternatives some companies have an aversion to putting certain videos on YouTube because they think, oh, these are more private. These are things that we don't want our competition to see what we're doing. You know, you can use unlisted videos on YouTube and they're and they're ultimately very hard to find if you don't know where they are. Uh, they're not going to appear in search and all of that. But 
that really comes down to then private video hosting. And there are a lot of companies vying for your private video hosting, you know, Brightcove and Vidyard and Wise Owl and others. You know, these are sort of like these corporate video platforms. And, and what they tout is control. You know, you get to control how your player window looks. You get to control what demo, or, uh, demographic and analytics you're getting back. You know, you, you, it's your universe. That's very attractive to most corporate marketers. But ultimately, they need to understand that everything they put on Vidyard or Wise Owl or any of these other platforms isn't searchable. So it's not findable anymore. It's totally up to them to get those videos out there right. and get eyeballs on them. So, you know, there are benefits to them for certain uses, but I wouldn't say they're the end all because searchability is is really, to my mind, the number one thing in terms of free eyeballs. Right. Which then gets you to YouTube. Exactly. Okay. So, all right. So number three is YouTube. Uh, 210 million active users in the U.S. every month. Not 260, like I said before. Um, to me, this is still, in terms of public forums, this is the place to be. And that's because it's still the most often searched and the most searchable, right? It's the number two search engine behind Google at this point. It's going to be interesting to see how AI starts to affect these search engines, by the way, because... Bing just introduced AI into its into into its search engine, and I'm going to be really intrigued to see if people start getting addicted to that. Now, if they do, Google's going to add it too, you know. So we kind of know that's coming. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, just back to this number two search engine. The other really great thing about having your videos on YouTube is that now in a Google search, YouTube videos actually show up in more than a quarter of Google searches and, and their little thumbnails and everything else. So that's a great advantage, cost you zero, you know, you might as well play it, right? 87% uh, of marketers say YouTube is a really effective channel for them and that that's an astronomical number. Um, and about the only thing that I see as a, I guess a warning or a caveat that I would give to someone who's thinking about you know, YouTube, putting videos on YouTube, is they, you have to own any content that you put there. And you got to think about your videos in a little bit different way. You know, like on TikTok, you can go grab a Rihanna track and create a TikTok and have Rihanna playing in the background. You can't do that on YouTube. You know, your, your content will be flagged. YouTube has very sophisticated copyright flagging algorithms. And, you know, it's up to them kind of arbitrarily whether you get a strike for using that thing and they tear it off or they just say, oh, it's okay, you can use it, it's going to be monetized and so-and-so is going to get the money from it. Right. Um, the bottom line is, though, you need to own your content. And, and so this can be a stumbling block for some companies that aren't producing a lot of video. You know, they can have a YouTube channel, maybe just has one company video on the channel. That's okay but they're going to need to produce more video in order to sort of flesh out the channel and make YouTube value it and start pushing it in their algorithm. So number two is emails. Very quickly, my take on on that before you Please. jump into it, and you, and you can tell me, right, I should actually listen to you before I tell you my take. But that's no, okay. no, I want to know your take. No, it's kind of cool for me to tell you my take, and then you can tell me that I'm just- I, I like that. Yep. That's totally fine. The, I only open emails for two reasons. It, the intent has to be there. I mean, it's got to be so much something that I'm thinking about that. Or someone says, I made a video for you. And now if the intent is there and someone says, I made a video for you, okay, that's, I'll actually look at that. I get 
300 emails a day and I probably open one or two on something like that. If someone says, I made a video for you, yep. I'll open it. True. So, so I was even asking myself, like, why did I put that at number two, you know? And, and the, the core reason is because email still has a 57 to one ROI when it's done well. So in other words, for every 50, uh, for every $1 you invest in email, if you're coupling it with video, you should get 57 bucks back. I mean, that is, that is crazy ROI, right? Right. My own personal experience. Okay. Now I've literally launched thousands of campaigns for hundreds of clients, millions of recipients. I can look at all those statistics and have looked at them over the last 15 years or so. It is a rare campaign that when you send it out does not generate some leads, right? It's it's rare. And with both of my companies, we literally get leads every single time we send out a new video campaign. So you know, why wouldn't we do it? It'd be insane. The only drawback on email campaigns is your list, right? You you It's your owned list. It needs to be a permission-based list if you're going to use one of the bulk email platforms out there or you're going to get endlessly hassled which you should, you deserve to be endlessly hassled if you're using, you know, junk lists that you're buying. Um, you know, you'd need to cultivate your own list, but if you've got a good list, it's going to, it's going to kick butt, you know, and, and do very well for you. Um, you know, so a few years back at my company, Voodoo Video Marketing used to own our own email platform for years. We owned our own email platform because we wanted to measure all the stats and everything else. And at a certain point, it was getting harder and harder to get to the inbox. You needed full-time people that were in there figuring out what the filters were doing and why is this getting blacklisted and why not that? And, you know, you have to sort of ride all your customers like they're criminals. <laughs> you know, that's not a permission-based list. So we got to a point where we said, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be the police anymore. And we shopped around and we decided that Constant Contact was sort of the best best practices for business purposes in terms of just bulky mailing, right? It, it, it was good for us. It worked for what we want to do. And so what we've done over the past few years is to take our clients and move them and ha have them become managed accounts under Voodoo's constant contact account. My dog is here saying hello. Um, and they they get certain benefits. Like one of them is you get rid of the constant contact branding, right? So that that's a key thing because a lot of people hate seeing constant contact all over their emails, uh, which I don't blame them. Um, but the bottom line is that, you know, Constant Contact and many of the other platforms that are out there are, all they do is make sure that they're, that emails are going to be whitelisted, whitelisted to the inbox. They make sure that the statistics that you get in terms of clicks and, you know, if you're going to remarket and move somebody from one list to another and that type of thing, that it all works perfectly. And, you know, so my attitude is let's leverage those platforms that that know what they're doing and know how to get to the inbox. If you can get to the inbox, inbox and you've got a good list, e-video is golden. Okay, and number one, all right, I already spoiled it at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> That's okay. It's a, it's a website. Yep. It's your own website. So, you know, I, I say this, I truly am a broken record because I say, Every single entity, any company that has a website must have a video on their homepage. And part of that is because the, the Forrester research statistic, which says you are 53 times more likely to appear on page one of a Google search if you have a video on your homepage. 
you know, a 53 times multiplier. How possibly could someone think, well, I'm just going to ignore that and not put a video on my homepage, you know, oh, because it's too expensive or it's too much of a hassle or I don't know what to say or, you know, whatever your excuse is, you got to get past it. And I can tell you all the reasons why. <laughs> um, well, let's unpack that a little bit. What's your kind of video, right? Is that, you know, if yeah. I'm a partner, is that my CEO talking about my uh, my company and, and my brand? Or is it a video that you could use from your vendor that is talking about their product? And and we talk about that all. It's one of our our tactics in our in our on our platform is is content syndication, right? And how can you take not only uh, images, uh, but you can take video from your vendors and, and put that on your on your website? Sure. So the, the, yeah, what we're talking about on your homepage, it does need to be a video that you own, right? Because it needs to go on your YouTube channel which again, we said you have to own it for it to be able to exist there with no copyright issue. And then it's embedded in your homepage of your website. So the, the reason why it's important to have it on YouTube instead of another platform is because Google, part of the reason you get this massive SEO boost from having a video on your website is that they can see, oh, it's on YouTube, which is their platform, right? right? Alphabet owns Google and YouTube. And now the Google algorithm is going to, it sort of incentivizes people to have their company video on their YouTube channel. So it's kind of all one little happy family. The in, So in terms of that, it's got to be, so let's talk about partners for a minute. You know, I mean, our audience may be vendors, but they need to understand how can you work with partners to, you know, make them to get them, better. To take them yeah, to, to get them right. to make advantage of video. So my company, Voodoo, uh, we work with a lot of vendors and channel partners to get company videos on the partner homepages. And what we seek to do is to get the vendor to approve some MDF to subsidize the production of that homepage video for the partner. So the, the reason, you know, how can the vendor justify that? The answer is because you're going to do this problem solution video. You're going to you're going to look at the company, the partner company, and you're going to say, what are the problems that we solve? You elucidate the problem first, and then you come and you show how the partner solves it. And then guess what? The vendor's solution is part of how they solve that problem, right? So the vendor gets a, a little feature, a mention, maybe their images of their product are scattered into the video. The idea is that it, it's a package. We put enough vendor information and content in that video so that it, it does qualify for MDF, but not so much that it turns the viewers off and makes them say, oh, this is just a commercial. You know, it's a delicate, you know, you're walking a tightrope on that one. But that that's what we recommend to those companies. Well, I think, that, oh, there's so many interesting things we could talk about that, right? And what a partner sells, they sell their brand versus the vendor's brand and the MSPs and a lot of different partners. I think that's interesting on the MDF. The other thing is a lot of partners have 14 vendors. So which vendor is on the homepage for that, right? It could be their primary vendor. It could, but I, those are all the questions you kind of got to pull together. Right. Once again, a lot of, a lot of partners would say, Hey, I don't sell this hardware or this SaaS solution. I sell risk mitigation and business continuity. Now I think a smart vendor can come and say, Hey, we help you do all that. Right can work together to, to solve that problem, right? And why would you not if you could end up with a 57 to 1 uh, 
53, yeah, 53x multiplier. That's 53 it. 53x multiplier. So 57, yeah. 53, I don't think anybody's going to really argue it's 50 plus, right? Right. So in general, what we see is that often the MDF uh, approval will be for 50% of the cost of that company yeah. video. Now, that's not going to be 50% of the of the national average cost of a company video. Because if you start looking at national averages and you say, what does it cost a company to do a fully professional national quality video custom built from scratch on their homepage? The answer is 16 grand. Most partners are not going to pay 16 grand for a video. So, and we, and we know that we've seen it a, a million times. So what we tried to do, Voodoo spent a lot of time trying to, trying to crack this code and what we ended up realizing was that we could create a template that for a company video that was relatively universal to most resellers, you know, depending on their particular, you know, silo or niche. But let's say voice and data. That's a good example. We have a voice and data template. And when a company comes to us, a partner company comes to us and says, we want a company video, we figure out how we're going to customize that template, you know, and we, there are like 12 different ways that we'll customize it. And so it feels like a completely original video. They own it as an original video so they can put it on their YouTube channel. If a vendor is willing to come in and pay 50% or multiple vendors, you know, to combine together to pay 75, 80, 90, maybe 100, you know, there, we've had a lot of cases where partners get their videos completely funded by MDF. Um, you just need to be creative about it. Um, and it's, you know, this is a, this is not, cookie cutter stuff, you know, there, there's going to be negotiation that goes into getting this stuff to happen. But we find vendors are generally that the enlightened vendors know if we can drive more people to that partner's website and they'll see us in the context of that partner, it can only be good for us. And in general, it's probably going to be a lot better than you know, the meet and greet that they may have sponsored, you know, or something like that. I mean, I shouldn't probably say that, that those are great too. Belly to belly is great. But this is really key. You know, having that homepage video is so important. And I tell partners, even if you don't have MDF, you better darn well do this video. And, you know, so what we spent a lot of time doing was figuring out how low can we get the price. And we've, we've cracked it to the point where, depending on the amount of customization required, the video is going to be somewhere between 3000 and 5000 bucks. That's a lot less. It's less than a third the cost of just going to a videographer and saying, set me up, you know, plus in terms of work, can't even measure the difference. If you go to get a custom video made and you're going literally from scratch with your scripts and everything else, that's usually a two to three month process. We got it down to 10 days. So that that's how we do what we do. And vendors love that too. We can fit it within this oh. quarter for MDF, right? Oh my God. Yeah. In that court. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure they do. I sure everyone would. I mean, that's uh, once again, a third of the price and then yeah. Once again, 50 plus. Uh, yeah, and, and here's the thing. When you're under 5K, that video is going to pay for itself really quickly in terms of the new additional traffic that that site is getting. You know, it's it's a very worthwhile investment. And the cool thing too, it sits there on the site for years in most cases, right? I mean, a typical shelf life is five to seven years on these videos. So it's just sitting there improving your SEO every single month. You know, if you think about it, Anybody who found the site who wouldn't have if the video wasn't there, that's just all gravy. <laughs> Every single lead that comes through the site is gravy. So it's pretty pretty cool, pretty easy. <laughs> all right, Robert, thank you for taking some time with us today. 
Thank you for giving us these 10 great ideas. Uh, once again, what's the best way for people to reach you? They can go a little bit deeper. Oh, and don't forget, you can plug your book as well. Oh, my, hey, my pleasure. So I have a website, videogrowthhacker.com, videogrowthhacker.com. That's probably the, the best place to go. They can find out about the book. It's called Video Growth Hacking for Channel Chiefs. So it is. it has a channel chief focus. Uh, but it, it's appropriate to anybody who's trying to figure out how to use video marketing in a in a structured, strategic way. Um, and I'm happy to share an, a free ebook copy of that. They don't need to go and buy it. So j all they need to do is reach out to me. Uh, I, I like to give people on your show, your show only, I like to give people my personal email address, which is rjwcassard, r-j-w-c-a-s-s-a-r-d, at gmail.com. So reach out to me by email or just go to my site, Video Growth Hacker, and you can reach me there as well. Just tell me what you're interested in and we'll talk. That goes for things like templated videos for your homepage too. Okay. Hey, Robert, once again, thanks for joining us for the second time. Always fun. Hey, thanks for <laughs> listening in. Everyone have a great day.